This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Episode 163, Part 3. All right, let's hop over here for a second. This is rockarc.org, R-O-C-K-A-R-C-H.org, folks. Wow, you could go down a thousand rabbit holes with this website this is the rockefeller archive center a major repository and research center for the study of philanthropy and its impact throughout the world this is the rockefeller archive center website r-o-c-k-a-r-c-h.org if you want to understand the world you live in And how the hell we got here? This is it, folks. An amazing, amazing website. The enemies are not afraid to publish the true history. Uh, We just haven't packaged this up into kids' books and taught it to them yet. I was actually thinking, imagine creating a book series on the real truth. Unfortunately, I don't know if I'd have a big audience of folks that would buy the books. Um. I mean, Rush Limbaugh created a series, and it was all about the uh, fictional version of our founding. If I created one, I think parents uh, might be freaked out. But anyway, you can go on this site, search their collections. Um, They've got uh, source stories of philanthropy, access and request materials, apply for a research stipend. On top of it, uh, you could schedule an appointment to go to the reading room, but you've got to follow their uh, COVID-19 prevention policy, which I'm not even going to click on, folks. I don't really care. I'm not going there. <clears throat> but let me show you this article I found over there, and this is how it ended up on my radar. And then I'll just show you some of the search tools. If you folks decide to go down rabbit holes, I'm telling you, it's amazing what's inside here. Um, this is an article here. It says, A Room Full of Brains... Early Advances in Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence. This is written in January 2022. And this is an important piece here. It says the 1932 appointment of mathematician Warren Weaver. So we're back in 1932, around the same period that we have the other gentleman in England. So this is says in 32, appointment of mathematician Warren Weaver as director of the natural sciences marked the expansion 
of Rockefeller Foundation endeavors to the newly emerging field of computer science. So the Rockefellers are big into computer science. The foundation had long invested in physics and chemistry through the work of the International Education Board in the 1920s and its own support for National Research Council fellowships. In the 1930s, as Weaver developed targeted programs of research, advances in mechanical calculating devices showed significant promise for machine solutions to complex problems that Weaver and his staff quickly recognized. This section, a room full of brains. In the 1930s, the foundation underwrote Vannevar Bush's massive analog computer at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which was finally dedicated in 1942 and named the Rockefeller Differential Analyzer, one of the largest and last of the mechanical analog computers. It weighed 100 tons, used 2,000 vacuum tubes, and 150 motors. Cause of climate change right there, folks. That was it. That caused the climate change. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, It goes on to say, called analog because it carried out an analogy of a real physical process. The machine was touted as revolutionary in mechanized calculus. It operated in real time and unlike later digital computers, did not require a program to translate high language to binary machine language. So you could thank the Rockefellers. Uh, for the computers. And they've got an image here. This is a typical record as produced by the output recorder of the MIT differential analyzer here. Uh, so we're looking at a chart for you folks at pain.tv slash gold. Goes on to say merging biology and mathematics. In the 1940s, Rockefeller Foundation funding helped mathematician Norbert Wiener and we mentioned him before on this show, developed the new field of cybernetics, which we'll be getting into more depth on cybernetics soon. It says Wiener published his landmark book, Cybernetics, in 1948, after the foundation's grant to his joint project with cardiologist Arturo Rosenbluth to study feedback loops in the human body. His work with Rosenbluth led Wiener to broader speculations about similarities between the communications and control systems in machines and those in natural and biological systems. All right, this is all, you know, beginning of the concepts of transhumanism. Goes on to say, Natural Sciences Director Weaver was also involved with a breakthrough book of the same era. In 1949, he co-authored the landmark text entitled The Mathematical Theory of Communication with Cloud Shannon. The book remains essential to the understanding of information theory. Weaver's introductory chapters are widely credited with making Shannon's higher mathematical theories accessible to a more general audience. So, This is Rockefeller Foundation here, again, funding these folks. Now, let's move forward to machine learning. This is the beginning of artificial intelligence in the form that we know it today. It says, in the summer of 1956, the Rockefeller Foundation funded a milestone, the Dartmouth Conference on Artificial Intelligence. That's what we just reviewed, um, the proposal for that. It says the five-week gathering engaged a group of leading researchers 
who were a veritable who's who of computing innovators, including, and it's going to be this list again, John McCarthy, founder of the Stanford Artificial Intelligence Lab, Marvin Minsky, who developed the idea of neuron nets and founded the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab, Cloud E. Shannon, pioneer of information theory, and Nathan Rochester, developer of the IBM 701, the first general-purpose mass-produced computer. And uh, there's a picture here. This is uh, the old pictures you see of the computers, where it's all these big machines around in a room that make up one computer. Now that would be like a data center that would be filled with all different servers, all different computers. Because honestly, the field was so new that mathematician John McCarthy had to invent a new term to help explain the concept of machine learning. In fact, the first known use of the term artificial intelligence was in the proposal that McCarthy, with co-author Shannon Minsky and Rochester, submitted to the Rockefeller Foundation. At the time, the implications of the field were understood only to, only by a handful of researchers. Even Weaver, an insider to applied mathematics, tempered his support for the proposal with restraint, although he authorized Robert S. Morrison, Foundation Director of Biological and Medical Research, to act as he saw fit. McCarthy requested $13,500 for a two-month conference, but Morrison offered $7,500 for five weeks. As Morrison explained, I hope you won't feel we are being overcautious, but the general feeling here is that this new field of mathematical models for thought, though very challenging for the long run, is still difficult to grasp very clearly. This suggests a modest gamble for exploring a new approach. But there is a great deal of hesitancy about risking any very substantial amount at this stage. And this is Robert Morrison to John McCarthy in 1955. The significance of this new field, while murky to outsiders, was immediately evident to practitioners. IBM, Bell Laboratories, and RAND, that would be the RAND Corporation, also lent support for their key researchers to attend. So... Uh, Rockefellers put up 7500 They got some additional money from these other folks. It's called the Birth of Artificial Intelligence. Today, the Dartmouth Conference remains widely acknowledged as the founding moment of artificial intelligence and has influenced research and development in mathematics, engineering, linguistics, computer science, and psychology ever since. Its wide range of topics included complexity theory, language simulation, neuron nets, abstraction of content from sensory inputs, and the relationship of randomness to creative thinking. And uh, there's a photo here, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology conduct analysis by analog computer in 1959. It looks like they're inside of an old spaceship, folks. It uh, wraps up by saying, beyond subject matter, the Dartmouth Conference signaled a major paradigm shift in how mathematical work would happen in the computer age. Essential to the conference was bringing researchers with disparate specialties together, freeing them from the uh, strictures of teaching and publishing within their own subfields and offering time and opportunity for collaboration and exchange of ideas and information. So the idea was to pull these guys out of the workforce and out of the universities and let them go at it, folks. Let them tinker and let them play around. It says the Dartmouth Conference proved to be the high watermark of Rockefeller Foundation funding 
in the field of computer science. And they did it for almost half price, folks. These guys wanted thirteen five. They put up 7500 and look what they got out of it. It says, with military and corporate research increasingly driving the computer industry in the coming years, the foundation's funding became less and less necessary, but the seeds the foundation planted were crucial to many later advances in the field. Now, let me show you this for you folks at uh, pain.tv slash gold. In here, it says, research this topic in the archives. And so you can look, it says, explore this topic by viewing records, many of which are digitized through our online archival discovery system. Now, let's just click. It says, Massachusetts Institute of Technology Differential Analyzer, 1932 to 1950, Rockefeller Foundation Records. So I can click this open, and it brings me, uh, let's see, continue to the collection. All right, so here, I've got this collection of these records it's amazing and you can click on here let's just see um if it opens up so we've got massachusetts institute of technology uh areological research 1932 to 1941 and you can literally open these up um some you have to purchase but others you don't so here's one i can click to view it online and boom i'm pulling up documents folks I mean, it's, it's frankly amazing, really, honestly. Uh, I'm going to show you one of the documents that I opened uh, when we come back from this short break. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. So, I started going through this uh, digital file box of records. Look at this. I mean, this is pretty cool, folks. Let's use their information to do our own research here. Uh, this is a document stamped. It's, it's an original scan document here. From Dartmouth College, Hanover, New Hampshire. And uh, it says, Biomathematics, Mathematics of Neurology. And it says at the top, grant an aid to amount $7,500. It's stamped December 28th, 1955. It says, account to be charged to RF54163 BMR, leaving a balance of $51,078. It says, previous actions, none for this purpose. Additional information. And right here it confirms, a committee has been formed at Dartmouth College to organize the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on Artificial Intelligence. It is proposed to carry out a study during the summer of 1956 on the theory of computers and brain action 
for possibly a two-month period, including a carefully selected group of about 10 scientists. The study is to proceed on the basis of the conjecture that every aspect of learning or any feature of intelligence can, in principle, be so precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it. So this is the beginning of uh, simulating the human brain. In attempt, will be made to find how to make machines use language from abstractions and concepts, solve kinds of problems now reserved for humans, and improve themselves. And folks, I apologize. The way I have to zoom in on this page, for those of you not at pain.tv slash gold, I'm clicking the mouse and I've got to move the page around because the way I have my window open, um, I can't pull up the whole document in one page. That's why I'm reading like a uh, robotic AI over here. It says, the originators of this proposal include Dr. John McCarthy, assistant professor of mathematics, Dartmouth College, C.E. Shannon, mathematician, Bell Telephone Laboratories, M.I. Minsky, or sorry, M.L. Minsky, Harvard Junior Fellow in Mathematics and Neurology, and N. Rochester, Manager of Information Research at IBM Corporation, uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. The invitations will be made by the organizing committee on the basis of its estimate of the individual's potential contribution to the work of the group. The members will circulate their previous work and their ideas for the problems to be attacked during the months preceding the working period of the group. During the meeting, there will be regular research seminars and opportunity for the members to work individually in informal small groups. The officers of the foundation do not feel in a position to underwrite the entire study, but they would like to make a contribution toward it. Expenses will include stipends, travel and rent, secretarial and organizational costs, and contingencies. So there's a grant of $7,500 or as much as thereof, uh, thereof as may be necessary is hereby approved for Dartmouth College, Hanover, New Hampshire, as a contribution toward the expenses of the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on Artificial Intelligence, the funds to be available for a period of one year, beginning approximately January 1st, 1956. And this is signed by Director for Biological and Medical Research, the Comptroller, and the Vice President for the Natural and Medical Sciences, stamped December 22nd, 1955. So, if you're interested in history and old documents, folks, this is it. This is the beginning. This is how all this stuff gets funded. You're actually looking at a grant written by the Rockefeller Foundation back in 1955 that kicks off the development of the modern-day artificial intelligence that we're dealing with today. I, I think that's just so cool that we're looking at that. Um, sometimes you go, you're looking for grants, and you're looking how it's done. Here it is, folks. Stamp. Boom. Red stamp. December 28, 1955. 7500 bucks. Let's kick off artificial intelligence. So uh, that's a good document. If your kid wants to get into that, I'd print this and hang it on their wall. I should sell these copies of these documents. <laughs> All right, now we're going to fast forward. And we're going to come, come to 2020. So we're jumping from 1955 to 2020. 
20, folks. And this is an article at sociable.co. This says AI governance and the future of humanity with the Rockefeller Foundation's senior VP of innovation. This is written July 24, 2020. And this says here at the progenitors of artificial intelligence, how we care for and nurture this paradigm shifting technology will determine how it grows up alongside humanity. There are many paths ahead for artificial intelligence and society, and depending on which ones we follow, we may find ourselves on a road to peace and prosperity, or one towards a dark dystopia with several gray areas in between. Now, who else have we heard talk like this? Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Ray Kurzweil. All these folks, all these madmen, all these oligarchs, all of these technocratic transhumanist mad scientists. And, and folks, when they give you the two options, when they give you the two options, are we going to go down this path of peace and prosperity? Or are we going to go down this path of dark dystopia? There is only one option. It's dark dystopia. That's what it is. There is no peace and prosperity inside the world of technocracy. The original founding documents say that, and they are following them to a T right now. I am telling you, I've studied this. I've researched it. Some of this goes beyond just my opinion, folks. You can match up. You can match up Technocracy Incorporated's founding documents. Everything we've started to review here from 1919 going back to the uh, late 1930s with what's being built today. You're just seeing the various mechanisms uh, be brought to market, be implemented into our daily lives. But you can see they are building that. There is no prosperity inside of technocracy you are not allowed to build wealth that came out of the original energy certificate documents in technocracy inc and you see that being discussed on the world stage with the central bankers who are the face of central bank digital currency that it is programmable it is expirable it is trackable There is no prosperity because you cannot build wealth in the system. And in energy uh, certificate documents, it says the same thing. You cannot build wealth. You cannot trade them. You cannot gift them. You cannot exchange them. You cannot turn them in. If you die, you cannot turn them over. And you can't build them up because they expire at the end of whatever set period the technocrats decide it expires. The end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, whatever it may be. However, they're going to disseminate this form of money to you expires. You know, as Peter Thiel has said, singularity, the merger of man and machine, the point at which artificial intelligence becomes superior to man and man is forced to merge with it, can bring this this boom of investment or a boom that will destroy the world. They are on the path towards the enslavement of all men and the eventual 
engineering of humanity out of existence. So when they give you these two options, you can have good or you can have evil. You know where it's going, folks. These guys are not building this. The Rockefellers and these other government agencies and these technocrats, these eugenicists, they did not build this system to allow for peace and prosperity, nor liberty, freedom, autonomy amongst us, the peasants. That is not the purpose, folks. That is not the purpose. So they're telling you exactly what they're going to do. This is Zai Khan, all right, who is the senior VP of innovation at the Rockefeller Foundation. He says, quote, we need to now create a new institution that can continue being the gardener for artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence is going to leave home soon. And we hope it becomes a productive member of society. End quote. That is 2020. And now what's happening? We see the OpenAI products and other companies building it, but OpenAI is a big one, being injected into everything. Artificial intelligence has left home. Will it be a productive member of society or will it lead to a dark dystopia? Well, You're waiting for the discussion to happen, for the debate to occur. You're waiting, when are we going to sit down in committees and have these conversations on the ethics? They've been doing it. They send out the scientists, the engineers, the mathematicians, the technologists, the bankers, the investors, the oligarchs, the CEOs. They are on the world stage. It's called the World Economic Forum. It's called the World government summit it's called the international monetary fund the bank for international settlements the world bank the united nations it's called congress they are sitting there they're talking about it this is the debate folks they're not going to come knock at your door and ask you to fill out a, a paper ballot on whether or not you agree with this the debate is now it's happening in fact it already happened this is why they're unleashing it The ethical debate already occurred. Now the only choice that you have is whether or not to allow this stuff into your life. And if you're going to, because it has become a way of life, it is our culture, then how are you going to treat it? How are you going to teach your children to interact with it or stay away from it? Do you tell them stranger danger, stay away from AI? Do you tell them it's a tool like a chainsaw, this is how you use it, but don't abuse it, don't let it overcome you? The ethical debate already occurred. This show, as small as we are, is part of the debate. We are one of a handful of people that are talking about the negative side of this, that are warning people about the dark dystopia that's coming. It's coming because it's been unleashed and there is no putting the genie back in the bottle at this point, folks. Sad to say this. I've studied it enough. I've read enough about it. I study the technology. I see what they are unleashing. I try to come here and explain this to people in layman's terms. It is here. It is here, folks. It is all around us. The question is, what the hell are we going to do about it? Is there anything we can do about it? 
can we avoid it? Can we live one foot outside of it? That's what I'm going to continue to explore uh, as I lay this true history down in audio form and video of what's actually happening, what we're living in. There's no mystery to this. It's here. It's available. I'm just curating it all for you and showing you what's really going on. And this way you can make plans for how the hell you want to survive inside of this system. Folks, I'll be right back. We're going to keep breaking this down. I'm going to show you who else is involved with this. And then you'll understand, you know, artificial intelligence, where it came from. We'll talk more about the technology, what it actually is. And then we're going to get into, not just in my words, but where these folks, these technocratic transhumanists want to take it. And we'll tie in some of the past work we've done, bring it into this conversation, and then, you know, do what, do with it what you so choose, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 